three weeks from tonight, our uh, Vacation Bible School for 2023 will be underway, and I uh, hope that you are planning for that. Every teacher has went, oh man, I've only got three weeks. But, uh, we hope that you're inviting people to come, and as has been mentioned a time or two, we want to make sure we uh, emphasize the fact that uh, we haven't done this for a couple of years. We're having an adult class this year uh, at Vacation Bible School as well, and so uh, I hope that you're looking forward to, to that. And it really is, we want we want all of us to be here as well, of course, but uh, even our adult class is uh, something for uh, each of us to invite friends to. Um, Noah's put together just a, a great uh, program for our Vacation Bible School in a lot of ways, um, except for the fact he asked me to teach the adult class. Other than that, uh, it's going to be great. But the, the adult class is going to be um, a little bit different in that uh, we will have a class session, of course, for about 40 minutes or so each evening, kind of regular uh, Bible class length. And then uh, after a short break each night, uh, we're going to have what's called Central 101. And uh, the idea behind that is that some of our men who lead different uh, ministries and areas are going to kind of talk about what we do here at Central. And so if you have people in your in your life who aren't Christians or who just you know, don't know much about what, what a church does, what this congregation does, uh, it's going to be just an encouraging way to, uh, to introduce them to some of the things that that we do inwardly and outwardly, uh, different, um, I guess you'd say, presentation, different area of emphasis or two each evening. And so all of us need to be here. Of course, our children, classes for all ages, but uh, we will have adult classes this year as well. Some of you said you wish we'd have that back, so we have that back uh, this year. But instead of making you sit through an hour and 20-minute class every night with me teaching, and we change VBS to very boring snooze fest, um, we decided to uh, kind of know kind of decided to, to break into two different things each night and hope that you will be planning on attending as much as you can. Again, that starts three weeks from tonight, the first uh, full week of June. Ten hours, 31 minutes. That's not a time, that's a length of time. Ten hours and 31 minutes was the average amount of time that the average American spent in front of a screen every single day before COVID. In fact, that number is the latest one I found on a site that I trusted the research from, and it was from way back in the halcyon days of 2016. And even the article in which it was found that reported the research and things stated that even then, that number was growing. Now, to be fair, of course, some of that time is good and legitimate time. I wrote this sermon on a screen in part. Hopefully you think that's a pretty good use of some time. Many of you do jobs that are exclusively done on a screen or in some form of, of electronics and things. And that's, that's fine. That's all well and good. There are other good uses for, for things we might say are forms of entertainment in a way. Televisions, computers, smartphones, other similar technologies. But it isn't, it isn't all good, of course. We know that. And I want us to think about that tonight. Because I came tonight to talk about entertainment. And that's not to say I'm getting ready to preach against ever being entertained. That's not why we're here tonight. That's not the purpose of the sermon. But far too often, Christians simply accept entertainment as a necessary part of life when it really isn't. You can go to heaven without ever being entertained in your entire life. But even worse than that, Christians often just accept pretty much whatever the world spits out as entertainment, as worth our time and our money 
oh, we may have a few lines we won't cross, but if we're honest, the, the lines that many Christians have are basically the same lines as many people in the world. And those two lines very often grow close together. From video games to novels to movies to music to TV to YouTube to streaming services to novels and on and on and on it goes. We have a nearly endless variety of ways to entertain ourselves. And so may a Christian just consume anything? Well, of course, the obvious answer to that question is no. But where is the line? I'm not going to tell you that tonight. My job tonight is not to try to draw a line. In other words, I'm not going to try to give some list of this, these YouTubers not to watch, or these video games not to play, or these television shows not to watch, or these songs not to listen to. That's not my goal. Instead, my goal tonight is to remind us of one word. And it's one word that is very often, far too often forgotten by Christians as it pertains to this area of life. And that word is holiness. Our lives as Christians are to be holy all the time. Not just when we're in the church building, not just when we are around other Christians, but all the time. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14, the writer of Hebrews said, Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. If I am not a person who is striving for holiness, the promise or the warning, however you want to word that, is I will not see the Lord. Peter emphasized much the same thing in probably a more famous passage, at least part of it is. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14-16, through 16, when he said, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in your conduct, since or because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Why did He choose us? That we should be holy and blameless before Him. Now in those three passages, including the one you still have on the screens before you, let me ask, when is that to be true? Is it just when we are in church? Is it just when we're around church people? Or is the command and the, the statement that we are to be holy at all times? And so tonight what I want to do is I want to ask eight questions, or, ha or give eight questions to ask when we're choosing how to entertain ourselves. And I'll be honest, the questions themselves are adapted from an article I came across some time ago, but I've reworked them quite a bit, and all the supporting information is mine. But again, the goal in this is not to tell you never to be entertained, but the goal is to remind us to strive for holiness at all times, including those times when we're choosing to be or how to be entertained. But quickly, before diving into the questions, just think about this for a moment. We are actually saying this is something we should think about. I believe, personally, that is one of the devil's greatest tools when it comes to Christians' entertainment is to cause us to think that we should not think about it. That it should just be mindless, it's no big deal. But the Bible tells us very clearly that we're to love God with our all, including all of our mind. Mark 12, verses 30 and 31. And so really none of life is to truly be, as we sometimes say, mindless, including entertainment.
So with that in mind, here are eight questions to ask. Question one, does this choice add true or real value to my life? Now that question is worded in a very specific way, and the reason is because it allows for sometimes where the value, if you please, of entertainment that it can give will be something like rest, or something like laughter, or something like stress relief. Those types of things do, in fact, have a real and a true value. But what a Christian must decide is, is this choice actually adding value, or is it taking away from the value or values of my life? For example, I may choose to be entertained for a few moments just to rest and to rest my mind and to relieve some stress, just to sit for a few minutes to let my mind, my body rest. That's all fine. We understand that. But if I just keep sitting there for hour after hour after hour after hour after hour, is that really adding real value to my life? Not very likely. But further, ask yourself as it pertains to value, what would you really be missing from your life? If you cannot watch a certain television show or use a certain app on your phone, for a lot of people, that's a frightening question. And that's the point. We may have let some particular form of entertainment become almost idolatrous because we value it more than we value the things of God. Does this choice add true value to my life? Question two, what desires Will this cultivate in my heart? If you're taking notes, you might want to say in my mind, either one be fine. Psalm 1 famously describes that blessed man like one who is like a tree planted by the waters. But you remember prior to that, the poem speaks about what a blessed person does not do and then what a blessed person does. And what that blessed person does is very simply stated. His delight is in the law of the Lord and on it, that is the law of God, he meditates both day and night. We might just simply summarize that by saying that the blessed person is the person whose mind is just saturated with Scripture. In the New Testament, Paul teaches us to not be conformed to the world, but instead to be transformed by the renewing or the renewal of our minds. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. If I am filling my mind with the things and the mindset of the world and the appetites of the world, why would I then be surprised if I start to desire the things of the world? For example, if I'm seeing and taking in the world's view of sexuality, will that not eventually cause me to either just not care much about it or actually to desire it myself, the world's view? What about if I'm just seeing that kind of thing constantly? But on the other hand, if I'm seeing or listening to or taking in things that portray the types of things listed in Philippians 4 and verse 8, things that are good, beautiful, and all those other wonderful things, I will desire good things. And yes, there are forms of entertainment that do portray some good things, some righteous things, even pure things. Now, they are few and far between, but they can be found. And those are the desires I need to be cultivating in my heart continually. So that's what I need then to be taking into my mind and in my thinking. Question three. Turn to Ephesians chapter five. Because the question is, Does this help me fulfill Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16? In those two verses, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, Paul wrote, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Some translations have renewing the time because the days are evil. 
If you and I were to honestly compare how much time we spend entertaining ourselves with how much time we spend doing spiritual things, reading our Bible, studying the Word of God, praying to God, serving others, etc., could I honestly say I'm making the best use of my time? That I'm redeeming the time? Now again, there are times to, to relax, to laugh, to be moved by a story. That's fine. But is the best use of our time to just continually do that? Is the best use of our time to be able somehow to binge watch an entire season of, of a television show in a single weekend? Right? Is the best use of our time to just scroll through the social media constantly, hour after hour after hour? Folks, there are people who are lost. Let's go teach them. There are Christians who need to be encouraged. Let's serve them or let's call on them. There's so much of God's Word to learn. Let's study it. And there are so many other good things that need to be done. Put the phone down, put the remote down, and get to those things. Walk in wisdom, not unwisely. Make the best use of the time. Question four. Do I want my children to follow my example? Or if you don't have children, or your children are grown and gone, maybe change the question to someone you're mentoring or someone you're just trying to be a Christian example to. Would you want them following your example of a godly life by what you watch or what you listen to or by the video games you play? You know, if you're frustrated parents with the fact that you can never get your kid off the phone, maybe you and I need to look at how often we're on ours. When every time they call us from across the room, we never answer because we're glued to an iPad or glued to a laptop. If we're wondering why our, we're upset about why our kids want to listen to music that's vulgar, maybe to play more, pay more attention to what's playing when I have to charge the radio or the streaming service. Now, I know sometimes people say, yeah, but the stuff that I listen to or watch, it's not as bad as... Folks, this isn't a comparison game. If I want my children or those I'm trying to be an example to, to be holy in all of their ways, then the standard I need to have for myself is a standard of holiness. And yeah, that means there'll be a lot of movies I never watch. There'll be a lot of popular television shows I never see. There'll be a lot of catchy songs I never hear. And that's true to keep my own soul pure, hopefully, but it's also true because I don't, my, don't want my children thinking their dad is a hypocrite. I want my children to have a heart that's tender to the things of God. And so I dare not let them see me dulling my own heart with worldly ways and sinful forms of entertainment. Question five. What does this glorify? Entertainment glorifies someone or something. Each form of it, each, each time it comes across. Maybe it entertain, excuse me, glorifies the, the entertainer himself or herself. That's an issue in its own right. But the, the words of songs, the, the, the themes of movies and novels and plays and all those sorts of things glorify something through the messaging, through the plot of the movie, through the theme of the video game. Something is glorified. If you really pay attention very, very little of our entertainment glorifies things that honor God or honor good. How many movies that are popular glorify true respect for authority? How many tele popular television shows glorify biblical marriage? How many video games glorify peace and kindness? How many popular songs of really any genre glorify sexual purity and modesty? and selflessness? And the answer is almost none. Instead, the only way I know to say it is, 
we are very often being entertained by the very things that put Jesus on the cross. We're laughing along with them. We're soaking in the mindset. We're being moved to tears by them. We are numb to them and to the things that put Jesus on the cross. We are put on this earth to glorify God. And yet many of us glorify worldly things and even go along with them simply by what we take into our mind constantly. Question six. Which do or would I more easily compromise? My Christian conviction or my entertainment choices? Here's the way to answer this question, really. If you find yourself using the little three-letter word, but, a whole lot to explain why you watch something or listen to something, then you may have answered this question in a way it doesn't, doesn't honor God. Here's what I mean. You should watch this movie. I know it's got a lot of language in it, but I let my kids play this video game. I know it's really violent, but I wasn't going to watch this TV series because I heard it had a homosexual character, but are you getting the point? We will compromise our Christian conviction over and over and over again just to be entertained. And what's more sad is that many of us are more willing to do that than to defend our Christian conviction. Get a picture in your mind for a second. You're invited over to a Christian's house. We're just having a get-together, some other Christians just to hang out for the evening, and they decide, hey, well, we're here, let's, let's pop a movie in, or let's, let's stream a movie tonight. That's not pop a movie in, sounds like VCR days. Yes, I'm old. Okay, let's stream a movie. How about that? Okay. But it's a, it's a movie that has some foul language in it and maybe some strong immodesty, that sort of thing. And you know that just because you've heard other people talk about it or maybe you researched that movie at one point. But, and so you decide it wasn't something you were going to watch because of those things. But, but everybody else there that night agrees, this is a great movie. I mean, this is a movie everybody should watch. And so they start the movie. And as they do, you leave the room. Maybe you go into a bedroom or the kitchen or whatever. And you stay gone for an hour and 48 minutes until the movie is over. Now let me ask, with that picture in your mind, how many of us who are Christians think the one who left is the one who's weird? Instead of the ones who are entertaining themselves with things that are against God. Which am I willing to compromise? The fact that I'm a Christian, I stand for morals, or I want to do this, so I'm going to do this. Question seven. Would I sacrifice a form of entertainment to be more God-honoring? If I could know, and there's no way to know, but if I could know that getting rid of the television would make my life more honoring to God, would I get rid of it? If I could know that getting rid of Twitter or Instagram or TikTok would make me honor God more, would I be willing to get rid of it? If I knew that not using Spotify or something would help me honor God more, would I be willing to get rid of it? Now, I'm not suggesting that there's some kind of linear progression here. What I mean is I could get rid of my cable package or Netflix or, or something and use that time to do things that are just as evil. So it's not necessarily I get rid of it, so therefore I'm more holy. That's not the point I'm trying to make. But the question is, would I be willing to do that? What if, just what if, your family decided that just for one week, we weren't going to turn the television on at all. And instead of the time we usually spend watching television, 
We're going to serve God in some way. We're going to find service projects, or we're going to read the Bible together or pray together. What if you decided individually that just for one month, just a month, you're going to avoid a particular social media app, maybe Facebook or Instagram or something, and instead, for the time you would have spent on there, you're going to read your Bible. What if you decided that just for the rest of May, it's only two weeks or so, two and a half weeks, what if you decided that a young person decided that I'm not going to play that video game for that those couple of weeks. Instead, I'm going to use the same amount of time that I would have spent on there memorizing Bible verses. What if your family decided just for one work week, five days, going to school, going around town, shopping, whatever, that we're not going to turn the radio on or Spotify on. They said we're going to talk about the things of God. Now, if hearing those little experiments put shivers down your spine for a second, you may have a problem. And I'll be honest, when I came up with them, I had shivers go down my own spine, which means I have a problem. Because we get so caught up in this just being a part of our life and constantly going on, that the thought of giving any of it up for any length of time is like pulling teeth. And sometimes the answer to those experiments is, oh, there's, there's no way I could do that. Maybe it's just as simple as not giving it all up, but setting a time. And removing or removing some specific form of entertainment. Am I willing to sacrifice time being entertained entertained for time being drawn closer to the Lord? And question eight. Does this help me have a successful life in the eyes of God? Here's the question. What is a successful life in the eyes of God? Going to heaven and encouraging others to go to. That's success. That's a successful life. Going to heaven and encouraging others to go as well. When I choose to watch this movie or this TV show or that YouTube video or play this video game or listen to this song, is it helping me to have that God-honoring successful life? Is this drawing me closer to heaven or is this putting barriers up that are making it more difficult for me to go to heaven? It could be even pushing me completely the other way by the things it presents. Now, I'll be honest. I know I'm probably not popular right now. I get that. But nearly any time I speak or write on this subject, I've been asked sometimes before to speak at youth days and different things on it, and I always think, thanks, appreciate that. Let's talk to teenagers about turning their phones off. Yeah. In other words, let's get the guest speaker to talk about that. I know exactly what that's about. But nearly any time I talk or write about this subject, I know I'm going to get pushed back. Even if it's up here, I get it. And part of the reason is I push back sometimes. But there's three very common pushbacks or categories of pushbacks I sometimes get that I want us to address quickly as we close. Pushback number one is worded something like this. You're just being overbearing and you're drawing lines that God has not drawn. I get that. But if you notice how we began in going throughout the lesson, my goal tonight really was to thread a needle so I could answer this pushback going through the lesson. We tried tonight to give biblical principles without naming certain shows or websites. or We just didn't do that. You may disagree. We may disagree at times about a certain TV show or YouTube video or whatever. And I think there can be some room for disagreements on, on particular matters. I get that. That's why I didn't want this sermon to turn into just a laundry list of here's everything you can't do, here's every show you can't watch, or every song you can't listen to, or whatever. 
But the answer also is we can't go so far in the other direction that we forget there are biblical principles found in God's word. What principles are we going to let guide our choices? Are we going to let God's principles guide our choices or the world's principles guide our choices? If there are gods, there are things we're going to have to say no to. Pushback number two sometimes goes something like this. You must live a really boring life. God gave us all this and we should just enjoy it. We live in a time we have all this wonderful stuff and God gives us this stuff. And there's a verse that most of us know well, but we need to make sure we consider it carefully. James 1.17 says, Every good and every perfect gift comes from above, or is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In that famous verse, James 1.17, take note of that little word, good, every good gift. That word, I'm told, if you wanted to add an uh, adjective to it, you could actually translate it as constitutionally good. Not, not talking about the document in Washington, D.C. We might say inherently good. Things that in and of themselves are good. Those kinds of good things come from, from above. So the question we have to answer is, who decides what is good? It is the one himself who is good constitutionally, if you will. The one who is good in his own being. He must define what is good. And I must then follow and accept and go along with what he says is good. Here's a practical example. Laughter is a good thing. It is natural. God placed it within us. It is intrinsically healthy. It is good for us to laugh. It's been shown scientifically and physiologically to help. It connects people. Laughter is a good thing. God even put it in Scripture. The book of Proverbs even talks about it as a good thing. But what causes me to laugh could be a bad thing. And that bad thing did not come from God. And so as it pertains to our subject tonight, it's really the exact opposite of living a boring life. Because if I'm not having to, to explain away why I'm doing certain things, I know I'm pursuing God. There's no guilt afterward. There's no explaining it away. There's no wondering, what was it okay to listen to that or watch that or play that? There's no hiding it from parents. It's a wonderful way to live because our mind is finding happiness and rest and peace and laughter and emotion in things that are good in and of themselves. Pushback three is probably the most common. And it basically says this isn't a big deal. It's just a little entertainment. It's not like I'm doing all this stuff. I'm just watching, listening, whatever. Turn to Romans chapter 1. Because as Paul writes what we know in Romans 1, uh, as verses 18 through 31, he lists a whole lot of sins. It's one of those passages we sometimes go to to talk about you know, societies that are falling apart and things. And that list that's found from verse 18 through verse 31 lists a bunch of them. Some of them he'll elaborate on for a few verses, things like idolatry he will, homosexuality he will. Others he will simply list. If you let your eyes just glance down to the verses, you'll see things like, like covetousness and murder, uh, being disobedient to parents, being ruthless in the heart. So we won't take the time to read and list everything in those verses. But if you look at all of them together, they pretty much are found in so many forms of entertainment. And you still say, yeah, but I'm not doing that stuff. How does Romans chapter 1 end? 
Look carefully at verse 32. Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things, all this list of sins, they practice such things, deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. I'm not doing it, but I'm approving of it. That's a dangerous way to live. It is not just in the doing where there is sin. It is in the approval of those things. You have to see this movie. I do. It's not that bad. Are things in Romans 1 found in it? I need to be very, very careful. And I know sometimes we make honest mistakes. All of us have probably paid money to go watch a movie we thought was perfectly clean or a term on the television we thought was perfectly clean and something came up. That's it's an honest mistake. That happens. Or maybe we go to a concert thinking this will be very family-friendly. It turns out to not be family-friendly at all. We've all had a, a favorite artist on the radio. We think every song this person does is perfectly clean and then they come out with one that just isn't. We can't believe they, they would record it. Honest mistakes are going to happen, of course. But if I constantly go back to things that are filled with sin and just act as if it's no big deal, that's a huge problem. I'm sure I'm not very popular right now. I don't preach to be popular. I have no doubt that some are angry or upset or frustrated or whatever. But may I end where we basically started? Think again of Hebrews 12 and verse 14. It clearly states, Jesus the loving shepherd. That no. <laughs> clearly states, strive for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to see God. I want to see God. And Hebrews 12, 14 makes it clear that the striving of my life is not for holiness. I will not receive that great gift of seeing God. That doesn't stop when I walk out of a church building. That doesn't stop when I'm, when I'm not around other Christians. It's my entire life should be striving for holiness. And wouldn't it be tragic if something so mundane as a television show or a song or a YouTube video kept me from seeing my God. We must strive for holiness always and not let the world set our standards. How you doing? How are you doing to strive for holiness in everything, including what we've talked about tonight? If tonight some changes need to be made in your life, for your life is not one that's being spent pursuing holiness. 
And with every fiber of your being, you want to see God. You say, you know what? I haven't been doing this right. I want to strive better. We'd be glad to pray for you. And maybe tonight you've never put Christ on in baptism to begin that walk. I'll tell you, it's not a boring life. It's the best life. You may miss out on a few movies or TV shows, but you get to go to heaven at the end. The plot of that's a whole lot better than any movie ever made. Spoiler alert, it's the greatest ending ever. Maybe tonight you need to start that walk by putting Christ on in baptism. Whatever you need is, will you come? Always stand and sing to encourage you.